Hello and welcome back to Talking Arts here on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. I'm Brad Diedrich, the professor, and uh, I hold an occasional uh, arts program here on Radio Blue Mountains, supported by the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network. And tonight on Talking Arts, we're going to be presenting uh, Jenny Ward's segment, In the Frame. Jenny has uh, gone out and talked to a bunch of Lithgow artists uh, and uh, uh, some who are uh, having different sales and exhibitions and also some who are appearing in the Lithgow Arts Trail, which is the first two weekends of November. So not this weekend, but the following weekend that kicks off and runs for two weekends. Um, She's had a chat to uh, Margaret Alders and to Anne Graham, who was... Uh, well known as having produced those wonderful uh, material sculptures for the uh, the pagodas for the uh, garden gardens of stone exhibitions which happened uh, earlier in the year. Um, Lithgow Arts is a is a, a series of studios which open up over the two weekends out at the in the Lithgow to Portland area from Little Hartley to Lithgow to Portland and uh, this year there's also a couple of surprises we've got uh, the annex out at Portland opening up so let's cross over to uh, in the frame uh, with Jenny Ward and her guests after we hear a track from uh, a group of uh, guitarists, including Parker Penner, who's uh, going to be appearing out at Lithgow at uh, the Gang Gang Gallery on the second uh, Sunday of the Arts Trail. And uh, he'll be performing out there on the Sunday afternoon uh, on the 13th of November as part of the trail. <laughs> Parabola, quisiera tener a la parabola, quisiera tener a la parabola. Parabola, cruzar por el espacio en libertad, cruzar por el espacio en libertad. En libertad, como los parillos, en libertad, que nadie me pregunte a dónde. Caminos sin fronteras quisiera ser, quisiera ser, caminos sin fronteras quisiera ser, caminos sin fronteras quisiera ser, quisiera ser, sin pisar ni motivos para volver, sin pisar ni motivos para Hello audience, this is Sharon Howard and I'm from the Gang Gang Gallery in Liscoe and you are listening to Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM.
Hello everyone. I can't believe how fast this year is scuttling past. We've got a packed segment tonight with some great stories coming up. Tonight in the frame takes you to a very special gallery with larger than life sculptures in a tiny central west village with a population of less than 100. Henry Toponiski and his partner Marin own and run Gallery H. It's perched on a hill in the small village of Dargan between Bell and Lithgow. In fact, so small is the village that until recently it failed to appear on tourist maps. Not only is the view from Gallery H breathtaking, but so is the gallery. It's a space where architecture and nature meet. The gallery is filled with a huge array of metal, wire and glassworks, some quirky, others serious, and huge sculptures abound. Gallery H is not a fine art gallery. It's a place encompassing the wild, urban, industrial, agricultural and more. Lots of materials are recycled, very often reaching back into Australia's farming and industrial past. Some sculptural pieces come courtesy of the Lithgow Tip. Gallery H is a destination gallery. Drive out to the property, lunch at the on-site cafe and wander through the gallery and the sculpture garden. As you look around, Henrik's experience in public art becomes evident with huge sculptures and unusual ideas. So Henrik, you've got an enormous amount of stuff out here. Is it a sort of a, a seven day a week job? Oh yeah, absolutely, full time. Art is the passion and I've got two wonderful workshops and I can just do it following morning. Sometimes it takes another few days or few weeks. Uh, I, I really like having few things um, on the go at the same time. You know, sometimes you, you start and get stuck and no matter how long you stand and stare at the <laughs> stage, current stage of the sculpture, you, you, you don't have solutions. Like a writer's block in a way. It, that... Exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, so I, I just push it aside and maybe look at it in a week time. And it's just amazing how fresh look changes the perspective, changes the solutions, basically. Now, so when Gallery H opened up here about three years ago, three years ago the timing wasn't fabulous, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Bushfires galore and covered and, uh, yeah, and now the rain. So it's still continuing sort of struggle, but we love the space, we love what we do, uh, get great fe feedback from people, uh, so, yeah, why not? I see it as sort of a destination gallery. Not many people go to Dargan. It is. I've got a sticker on my on my car. Uh, I love Dargan because nobody knows where it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes makes people laugh, but that's that's the fact. Uh, but again, we we need to put ourselves out there. So in uh, you know, these tourist uh, magazines and stuff like that, we insisted you know, they all have these maps and there was no Dargan. There is Bell, Clarence, Dargan is in between. But now, now we are on the map. It is, on, is it? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm. In all sorts of forms, really, because people starting to know us. So the gallery itself has got an incredible collection of all kinds of things, doesn't it? Can you describe some of them? Yeah, uh, partially... Uh, because of my approach to art, in a way, that approach means that I will never be famous because I do all sorts of stuff, whatever comes to my mind. And in order to be recognized, you have to have either uh, visually or conceptually consistent. And I'm not. I, I just like jumping from one thing to another uh, using different materials. Like, you know, there are sculptors who work only in granite for all their lives. I, I use everything that comes uh, my way. Like what? Tell me. Uh, for example, beautiful uh, insulators, which come from power lines. I had a mate who worked for Origin Energy and he used to bring me stuff, uh, discarded stuff. Uh, I, I find it amazingly beautiful material and it's top sort of ceramics. I love working with wood. That's actually how I started in sort of arts or designer maker business. I started as a toy maker. A toy maker? Yeah, and making uh, 
these classical, you know, rocking horses and that type of stuff. Uh, I've been, you know, trying to sell at uh, Glip Markets, Balmain, Paddington, uh, but pretty quickly realized that I'm competing with a retired men who do it for fun and I'm not even covering cost of the materials. So that was a brief episode, but then I got into cafe fit-outs, furniture making, really loved it. There's one of my passions is making tables from Australian hardwood. So I've been doing that for a long, long time, really enjoyed it and had some good breaks, like a fit-out of a restaurant in the Rocks, opposite Argyle Centre, four-storey restaurant. And they gave me a brief, the owners gave me a brief that they wanted something French provincial in style. So there was lots of wood, but that's when I started adding metal to my work to make it more French provincial, you know, scrolls work and that type of stuff. And that's how metal started. And it sort of took over. Uh, metal is much more forgiving than woodwork. <clears throat> When you sort of stuff up on a joint in wood, you, you can't go back. You, you've got to chuck it out. With metal, you just cut it up, reweld, and no grind back, and no one will ever know. So it is forgiving, isn't it? Yeah, it mm -hmm. is forgiving. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's harsh as well. It's smelly. I love just jumping from one to another, changing. And woodwork requires uh, calm, you know, you, you really have to be really careful. While with metal, I sometimes I rush, but it, it's all fixable ultimately. Uh, why, why there is such a variety as well? We've got few, uh, mostly friends who exhibit with us. They are local, they are from Sydney. We've got a guy from Iran. Um, so I, I think it enhances the experience for people when there is such a variety. Mm. So people could come out here, now that Dargan's on the map, <laughs> <laughs> and they could have lunch or whatever at your cafe. Yeah, it helps us mm. to have... But it's on your premises. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then from there, wander into the gallery. Yeah, some do, some don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I must admit, the first time I came here, wandering into the gallery was absolutely breathtaking. Because the breadth of stuff that is in there is just amazing. Yeah, lots of people say that, well, I've never seen anything like it. Mm. Um, that gives us great pleasure. There's also some very, I'm not quite sure how to describe it, very big art that people would perhaps put in their gardens or... Yeah, yeah, lots of, lots of uh, sales actually go into big gardens in, well, all over the place. We are lucky... Uh, being on the main road, so yes. we, we get custom from uh, out west, and there are lots of big properties out there, and fair bit of money, I guess. We've got lots of customers from from Sydney as well, uh, so yeah, that's that's really helpful. And uh, in, in a way, I like working big. <laughs> sometimes it's a funny thing. Sometimes it's actually harder, much harder, to make small sculpture in metal. Big again is much more forgiving, and I've got background in in public art as well, twenty five years of it or, or thirty, where you have to work big because yes. you know scale of things just requires that you have to make presence in the landscape mm. or in the town square or any anywhere. So yeah, that's perhaps why. Uh, the, the scope, the size of stuff we've got in the gallery is uh, <laughs> rather large-ish. Mm, yeah. It's fabulous. Mm. Yeah. Could you ever have pictured yourself when you came out from Poland quite some time ago that you uh, would have ended up in a place like Dargan with a gallery? <laughs> no way, no way. It was a long journey to get where where I am uh, with Maren, my partner. But the whole process of getting here... I, I was a Polish teacher in Poland. No one needs Polish teachers in Australia. So you start doing all sorts of lousy jobs in factories <laughs> and, and, and in the bush or wherever. But if you want, you will always learn things on site. For example, I, I, I worked for quite a few years uh, in a theatre equipment company. 
we would make everything to do with like places like opera house and cinemas and stuff like that. I learned about props, I learned uh, cabinet making, I learned fitting, I learned welding, uh, sometimes heavy engineering, uh, turning, mechanics. Uh, it was just a great place to pick up skills. And then after six years, I think, I think six years, they ended up managing that place. But I thought suddenly I need to do something just for myself mm -hmm. with all these skills that I accumulated. Then you, <laughs> you, it's not never simple. You, you need to start by equipment and, 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 you know, fitting out your workshops, building workshops to start with. Uh, it takes time and takes effort. I mean, number of auctions I went to at that period was just, just staggering in order to get good quality equipment and good price. I've got it now. I've got a couple of wonderful workshops and, and it's sheer pleasure to, to think of something and get up and, and just do it. Go and, that, and do that, it. That's what I want to ask you. What inspires you? Oh, that's a really difficult question. I, I got to love Australian landscape. So nature, of course, is a massive, massive part of, of what I do. Um, animals, trees, everything. But I like working in abstract sort of concept. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes I, I cut something. I've got a few bits. You, you throw it on the floor and uh, come next morning and look at it and, and you, you start seeing beginning of a sculpture. I, I find it hard to explain, but it's, it's sort of about aesthetics, mm -hmm. combinations of materials or shapes, composition. Uh, lots of work starts for me like that. And then you start mucking around and, and playing and, and and doing something with it. And probably in terms of sales, I probably sell equal amount of abstracted images uh, to, to nature-driven stuff. People love birds. I'm sick of making birds. <laughs> <laughs> you need to pay the bills, basically. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you're uh, part of the Lithgow Arts Trail soon, aren't you? Yes, mm. yes, yes. That's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Uh, Lithgow has become a very strong arts community. There's lovely gang gang gallery mm. there now, uh, top quality gallery. And uh, we actually have got lots of people from Lithgow exhibiting with us. Lithgow has become a, a, a new sort of reinvented itself basically after, after you know, arms factory and mines and all that. So the, the whole image has changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. There was a time when men were kind When their voices were soft When their words inviting There was a time when love was blind And the world was a song And the song was exciting There was a time And it all went wrong. I dreamed a dream in time gone by, and hope was high and life worth. I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving And I was young and unafraid So dreams were made and used and wasted 
You're listening to 89.1 Radio Blue Mountains. Your voice, your community. Hi, I'm Trevor. Hey, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Pete. And we're We're Paint Shop. And you're listening to Blue Mountains Radio. 89.1 FM. Yeah, Paint Shop. Hi, I'm Barbara Lapani. I'm the new president of the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network, and you're here listening to Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. Katoomba-based artist Olivia Schimmelt takes inspiration from the everyday beauty of her surroundings in the Blue Mountains. It can be anything from a flock of birds to pastel clouds scudding past. The result is intensely pretty images that the viewer feels an integral part of. Olivia is a very busy artist, apportioning her time to a large family and her prolific art. Next April, you can experience Olivia's work, especially her landscapes, clouds and birds, when she exhibits at the Day Gallery in Blackheath. So Olivia, your work is mostly um, landscape, is it correct? Yes, that's yeah. correct. And what, what inspires you? Um, oh, I'm inspired by um, 
the night sky, like often when I'm driving around at night with the kids, taking them to different activities, looking at the sunset, looking at the sky, and also um, going out hiking with my girlfriends, my female friends. And, yeah, we'll often go out, um, sometimes go camping and go out hiking. So, yeah. And does it, what does it imprint on your memory or something? Does it the images? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We moved up here from Sydney because we love this landscape and we love this area. We just wanted to be in this landscape. Your landscapes are very pretty and the colours are, are very soft. Yeah. And also I've noticed one of the distinguishing features is birds. Yeah. So tell me yes. about the birds. Where do they come into it? Like a flock sometimes. Yeah, it's just something that I just love looking at the sky and I watch the birds when they fly and I just find that something that just is relaxing for me or something that I, I love that kind of, it just makes me feel happy to look up and... Yeah, just to see Yeah, they are time. happy paintings, actually. Yeah. Mm, so look at them and think, oh, that's yeah, so nice. That's just, yeah, that's kind of what it's about, really. That's great. So how long have you been painting? I, when I originally went to uni, I did visual arts degree in multimedia, um, video, sound. And then I, well, I did paint before that, but then I retrained after my second child and I went and I studied with Celia Gullett and traditional oil painting techniques. And I studied with her for six years. So I did a one-year traditional course and then another five years of developing your own personal technique. Gee, so that's a real yeah. commitment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, I did it while I was having babies and in that kind of stage of my life where mm-hmm. I had, like, was, you know, so it was something that I was doing for me, but it was, like, a really nice way to just gradually um, build up my skills and confidence and techniques as a painter. Mm. So I studied oil painting, but I also use acrylic and aerosol. But, yeah, because I studied, I really, I'm really aware of make my works archival, so I just layer them in the right order and follow all the rules. So you sound rules. very organised. <laughs> yeah. Is that the way your brain works? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Analytical and... Yeah. I like to have lists and plan things and, yeah, quite organised. Now, you've got a, uh, I know it's a time off now, but um, you've got an exhibition at the wonderful Day Gallery next yes. year. Tell me about that. It's uh, in April 2023. I'm working towards that now. It's going to be uh, landscapes and clouds with the birds. Oh, good. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, more of that. And, yeah, I'm just taking my time. I'm spending a lot of time. I might try a, new, a few new things. Um, yeah, just spending time gathering my material, going out into nature, spending time just doing work as it flows and not being in a rush to get them done, more mm. letting them emerge. Mm. Yeah. Now, your husband is also an artist. He's a sculptor, yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is he exhibiting at the same time? or? Uh, yeah, he's going to be in the same show. So he does um, these wire works, cube formations, um, and some other kind of wire style works that uh, steel wire, and they, they'll um, be wall mounted. So they just um, fit into the walls with pins, and they're sort of geometric abstraction, kind of minimalist star works yeah so we'll have those in the show as well at the same exhibition at the same time yeah beautiful so yeah, i can't wait to see it yeah. all right thanks very much thank you Bye. good afternoon i'm kalani gakon i'm a blue mountains filmmaker who tells the stories of humans and you're listening to radio blue mountains 89.1 fm Hi everyone, I'm Colette Jean-Kier and I live at Little Hartley and you're listening to Talking Arts on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. A rare opportunity to purchase some wonderful art from Blackheath artist Gail Rogers Perazzo comes up this Sunday, October 30, and the following Sunday, November 6. With an impending house move, prices have been slashed and there are some wonderful bargains to be had. Spanning many years of work, there'll be around 30 pieces in total, along with life drawings and unframed works. According to Gail, it's time for the paintings to move on to lovely new homes as well. The address... 210 Hatthill Road, Blackheath. The sale will be open from 10am to 3pm both Sundays. Be sure to mark these in your diary.
My name is Gaia Scuff. I'm an indie folk singer-songwriter who grew up in the Blue Mountains. I'm really excited to share some of the new songs that I've been writing. I've kind of spent the last two years transforming my sound a little bit. You're listening to Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. No, 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 no,
Kintsugi is the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold. It's also a metaphor for embracing your own flaws and imperfections. Sydney-based designer Yoko Kawada will be giving you a Kintsugi workshop in Hazelbrook in November. This is a wonderful opportunity to learn this ancient practice. The date is Saturday, November 5, 10.30am, and bookings are essential. In the three-and-a-half-hour step-by-step hands-on workshop, you'll learn the fundamental skill of the Kintsugi method, using more accessible alternative materials to enable the process to be completed within the class. So, Yoko, tell me, how did you get involved in Kintsugi? I started Kintsugi as uh, as in search of uh, materials. My background is uh, interior design. I practice interior design, and I'm always constantly looking for new materials and then technique to use the materials. And I came across Kintsugi method whilst, whilst I was working for tile. I was uh, making mosaic tile art, and I saw the broken tiles, and I got inspired to put broken tiles together, and that therefore Kintsugi. That's how I started. That's fascinating. So tell me, how far does it go back? It's a fairly ancient art, isn't it? Yes, the Kintsugi. It's said to be it started about 600 years ago. But there's, in fact, there's actually no official record in Japan when it started. But there's a, there's a pieces of a, the Kintsugi art made in 600 years ago. It still um, exists and it's in the museum. So that's around the time that they believe that Kintsugi started to be recognized. And uh, when it started, was it purely for repairs or was it an artwork? It, it is both. It was to repair very precious tea balls for tea ceremony. And the tea ceremony of those time was uh, only for um, upper society mm-hmm. and shogun and aristocrat. So the teacups they were using were very precious and expensive. And once it's broken, it was required to be repaired. And there were different type of repairs available, but the kintsugi was one of the repair, and then was to combine the repair and then as an art, apply an art, because mm. the item itself was quite precious. So it wasn't just just purely repair only. So that was a, as an intention and originally. Now you've got a, a workshop coming up in Hazelbrook yes. soon. Yes. Uh, what would people expect when they go there? What do they learn? Well, they learn the basic introductory, the method of Kintsugi, and then I called my method Art Kintsugi, which follows the traditional process of Kintsugi mending, but use utilized modern, mater- modern materials and tools, which makes the practice easy. Um, the, um, so the student would learn all the essential fundamental process. We're using the small ceramic items I prepare for the workshop and take home. So once you, uh, they do the, my introductory art kintsugi workshop, they'll be able to practice and then repair their own item at home, taking their time. Hmm, it's wonderful. So you've had some interesting jobs, including one on a building site. Tell me about that one, the wash basin. Uh, the, uh, the wash basin, yes. It, it was, uh, the, yes, the side of the wash basin, beautiful wash basin in a beautiful bathroom. It was chipped, there someone dropped the cosmetic bottle, they said. And uh, yes, so I went on site, repair the chip as a standard repair, solid repair, and then apply the Kintsugi finish. And I I worked on the site because we couldn't take the basin off. So I was sitting on the toilet. (laughs) How glamorous. (laughs) Like a plumber. And I, yes, I went there every three days over the two weeks and Repair. And so you had to wait for it to cure and all that yes, sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's quite a um, quite a lengthy process, really, isn't it? It is. Yes. Kintsugi is a. It's always very slow art. It's not meant to be quick fix. And then the slow art is also. Um, it's to the kintsugi is not mere just repairing and finishing gold. You are not quite enjoying. It. You you're meant to embrace the process, repair process, and each process that you can see the item transforming from broken, scattered pieces is putting together and then become one and then reinforced and then the different line starts showing and then you think of how to decorate the broken line and the whole process 
it's quite tangible, um, but then you can embrace. So it'd be quite meditative, that imagine, it is, is it? It is, yes. Mm. It is healing, and lots of people said it is very mindful, and yeah, exactly, very care, yes. caring, and then healing. Mm, brilliant. Now tell me, you actually make some of your own um, implements, instruments. Tell me about that. Uh, inter- in, oh, yes, a um, couple of things, many things. Well, the one you probably, yeah, you saw earlier is a polishing tool. When we use uh, pure gold uh, as a uh, powder, pure gold powder, it's, it doesn't have a shine. Powder itself doesn't have any gold shine. So you let the powder to cure with lacquer and then you polish. And then that polishing tool is a snapper tooth. <laughs> so you buy a whole big snapper. I hope you eat cut. it, do you? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, good. You cut the tooth <laughs> and then you attach the little tooth in the tip of a chopstick and then you use that as a How did you tool. discover that? And it is a traditional tool. Oh, is it? It is, yes. yes. Oh, yeah, and so the, the tooth is glued onto the top of a chopstick, yes. is that correct? Yes. Mm. They are not sure if they use the t- chopsticks, but they yes, snapper, snapper tooth. What's so fabulous about a snapper tooth? I have no idea. <laughs> it must be very strong, is it? Yes, it could be the carb. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mm. haven't actually tried different fish, which I assured I could. Maybe <laughs> maybe in that time in Japan, where the snapper was very expensive fish, mm-hmm. maybe that's why I thought let's mm. make an expensive tool out of expensive fish. Now, you've studied in Japan, obviously, haven't you? Uh, and I, the Kintsugi, well, I, I took workshop, casual workshop in Japan when uh, when I visited Japan. Mm-hmm. And after that, it actually is a self, self-study. Aside from the work where it's mm. a repair, mm. tell me about artistic work that you do using this method. Yeah, I do a lot of repair commission and also commission to create artworks. So tell me what yeah. that artwork might look like. Um, it's They will be different. Mm-hmm. It, um, if, we, if it's not required to be done in a traditional method, I would use different techniques and then different finishes. It doesn't necessarily gold gold kintsugi line. I often use more different color. It's sometimes it's silver or even metallic pink, blue. Or mm, that sounds amazing. Color. If it's suit, it's important thing is how it looks in the end. Yes, exactly. Not just being adventurous. If mm. it think that it will actually green looks better than gold, mm. I would use green rather than gold. Mm. Mm, brilliant. Okay. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Libby Diedrich and I live in the Blue Mountains. You're listening to Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. Now the cold weather seems to be receding, the Blue Mountains and Surrounds art scene is taking off at an alarming rate. The much-anticipated Lithgow Arts Trail takes off in November. Held over two weekends, November 5 and 6, and November 12 and 13, between 10am and 4pm, the Arts Trail covers local artists in Portland, Lithgow, Hartley and Canimbla. They open their studios just once a year. This is a terrific opportunity to see them in action and enjoy eclectic creativity, as well as buy some wonderful original art. I visited watercolourist Margaret Orwood in her splendid Canimbla studio. So, Margaret, tell me, what can people expect when they come as part of the um, Lithgow Arts Trail to your studio? Well, I have my sister, Jill Silver, who is a silversmith and makes beautiful silver earrings, which seem to walk out the door very quickly. I have lots of paintings and other artefacts that I have handmade, lanterns and various things. The paintings are all at studio prices because I'm not paying any commission on my sales. And um, it's a very convivial place to come. We love, love our friends to come along and anybody else to come and visit us. So it could be excellent timing with Christmas just around the corner to do a bit of fabulous shopping. Yes, there will be lots of bits and pieces that will be reasonably priced. I have a large range of cards that are are handmade, a lot with using my work with inks and some of them are watercolours. So I think there will be plenty of things for 
Christmas hampers or Christmas stockings. Sounds wonderful. So tell me a bit more about Margaret. When did you first start painting? I've painted on and off for years and years, but I've had a few breaks during children and working, and um, but I've always dabbled in watercolours mostly. But at present, I'm just changed over to painting with inks, but um, I've always done a little bit here and there. And, you seem to have a bit of a thing about gum trees. Well, yes, at the age of 10, I had to draw a gum tree out the window of the classroom and the teacher said I had an affinity with gum trees and since then I've... You've still got it. <laughs> I've done, I've done a, drawn a lot of gum trees over my years of painting. What, what's your, what's the favourite thing to paint? I mean, it's such a gorgeous area here. I gather this is where your inspiration well, comes from. Yeah, I think I'm virtually a landscape painter. I just love the landscape and living where I've got a view right down the Canimbla Valley, I think inspires me mm. greatly. Yeah, just our block of land here with the beautiful view. And I love going out painting with the Society of Mountain Artists who every month or so have a an outdoor venue painting gathering. So tell me, what would be a typical day for you in your studio? Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Whatever I'm up to, and I think it varies a lot. I do, at present, I've been making lots of cards and um, changing my watercolour paintings for new ones to save behind new frames all the time. Yeah, I'd come out here and do whatever I think I'm up to. How many doing. days a week do you think that you would actually be in your studio? Probably three or four. Sometimes just a morning or sometimes a, a full day. Okay, terrific. Thank you. Hi, it's Jenny Trezise, an artist from Winmalee. And you're listening to 89.1 FM. So, Anne, there's a lot here for people to see when they come here as part of the Lithgow Arts Trail. Where do they begin? Uh, most people stand for a moment in confusion. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I might offer them a glass of wine or something. And then they'd start. It takes a while to, to wander around. And I, I can tell them people where things are from because they're really from pretty much all over the world. So it's yeah. part your work, but it's also part collection, isn't it? Yeah. The work comes out of some of the collection, like the measuring devices all came out of going to the Musée des Arts et Métiers in Paris, uh, which has the whole history of weaving and looms, which, so I, I started collecting those things, you know. And then some things I collect because they're just so beautiful, like the, the Japanese wooden combs are extraordinary. I mean, they're objects of exquisite craft. And I find things. I find things in markets. In in China, I went to Panjiwan Market in Beijing, um, and it's just full of wonders. And you know, unquestionably, some things are fake. But fake in terms of they are not old. They are made to newly made, but they are wonderful. And you can see looking around that they tend they tend to be. Handheld objects, you know, because if you're travelling, you're not going to be carrying much, are you? And then when, I, but when I came to live up here, it took a while, but the, the landscape is so extraordinary, isn't it? It is beautiful. It is. Mm. It is people are astonished. They come over that hill mm. and go, oh, mm, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's another world, you know. So, Will, you've got an exhibition coming up. Yeah, I do. Uh, tell me the name of it again. It's at the Cronenberg Maze Wright Gallery. Stanley Street, Sydney, but that's in not till February. Is that the one, the ordinary objects? No, that's going to be the Lost City, the Gardens of Stone, ah. and possibly the ordinary objects. Um, but I'm also making a, a work at the moment about the Cox's River, which isn't in here, but um, and that's going up to the Tamworth Sculpture Triennial, 
um, later in the year. So as you can see from these works, they're very labor intensive. And, and the previous works I've shown you, like the felt coats made out of dog hair and so on, they take a long time. So it's going to probably take me the first half of the year to make the work for Tamworth. Let's just backtrack. What inspired you to to do it? Living with two dogs. <laughs> and, I do and, too. You know, yeah, a lot of dog hair. I'd made it before I did the residency at the textile workshop in Melbourne. I started making the work about Humboldt and landscape. I started with Humboldt, then I moved closer to home and moved on to the local landscape, you know, which I showed in some of this in um, Candos at Cementa, which was truly wonderful. I'd recommend everybody go there. It's just fascinating. But it's only every couple of years. But the dog hair, well, what an economical thing to do. There was there were the dogs, there was the hair. And so it's just hair that they shed, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, it is, actually. Although Julie, she she takes her poodles to the hairdresser. <laughs> so, so I got... I, I actually made um, another work, which is over there, where I got the felt out of the drying machines in Lithgow. There was a wonderful lady with a laundrette there, Mrs. Washerlot. But and she saved the hair out of her dryers, and it was all the felts. She washed the miners' clothes, so it's quite dark. And I, I made a sort of landscape out of that. But where did you get the idea? Where, how did it all come about? It's quite an ancient it is an art. Ancient, it? it is an ancient mm -hmm. art. Um, it grew out of everything else. It just grew out of what I do. Okay, so tell me more about these incredible stoneworks, the oh, environmental. Yeah. They're pieces of colonial stone, actually um, stone from the art gallery, from churches, from museums, and it's carved. It, it, I mean, it's it's colonial stone. You find you do find pieces of it broken down buildings around the mountains, and it's being covered by the landscape. The mm -hmm. landscape is taking it back, and essentially that's what this work is about. I've, I've used colours, so the colours of the landscape. And it's, it's about recycling, too. I'm recycling materials that are unwanted from, you know, blankets from op shops. Well, Anglicare is brilliant. I, I love the ladies in Anglicare. They're always helpful. And, so, so just describe it to me. I, I can't describe what I'm actually looking at. So there's a large piece of stone, and then there's like something uh, almost looks carpet-esque uh, in layered colours. Yeah. They're, that, they're from the blankets, which I boil. And I also, when you boil it and dye it, it felts to a certain extent too. So, um, and I follow the... Sh these In these works, I've, in the, the gardens of stonework over there, um, I used a contour map and worked with the contour map to the heights, to the rivers and to the heights mm. of, of the Pagoda Mountains. Um, the work up on the wall there is called uh, Pagoda Country, which is what it is, actually. Um, but these these are more about the landscape. So they're sort of statement pieces. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, it, they're fascinating to people because, like you, they don't, what is it? Mm. You know, how, what, how did it happen? Um, and when you say you cut all the layers by hand, it takes quite a while. And I work with the contours of the stone, and to a certain extent I... I bring in my own observation of the landscape in it. But it is about history changing, you know, the place changing that we are privileged enough to be in, but it actually belongs to First Nation people. So mm. it, it, it is about that. I don't want to be prescriptive or uh, sacrosanct or whatever the word is. People can just enjoy them. Cool. Tell me about the colours. Do you? How do you do that? Uh, I dye them. I've got my shed out there, and so you know I mix the dyes like paint, really, to get the colours that I want and the colours that actually, when you drive up Mount Vic or even, uh, as Maggie was saying when we were talking before, you look out the window at different times of day, and and these colours are there. The, these colours are in the landscape, so. That's where the colours come and from. And then you, la you layer yeah. it. Yeah, I do. How much would one of them weigh? It looks huge. Well, they take two people to live. Mm -hmm. And the next ones that I make, because I might be sending some quite a distance, I'm, I'm probably going to use um, a metal 
underneath and then work around it. But to I, make it lighter? Yeah. 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 Now, just go back and tell me about the exhibition that you're going to do. The Extraordinary Beauty of Ordinary Things. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I live with these objects, these, these things, and I want to, I want to honour them in some way. It's in process. It's in process. So I, it will be more a story about me and where these things come from. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where and when is that exhibition? Later in the year. Oh, there is another show in middle of the year with modern art projects. I, I show with modern art projects, Blue Mountains Modern Art Projects, um, which is a really active fun group to be with and some really good artists in it so i know they're having a show in may i I think that's where they'll go so you're busy aren't you i am very busy Mm. and do you enjoy that i do enjoy it yeah to the detriment of my gardening (laughs) my cooking skills i'm still intrigued about the exhibition of the beautiful it'll be objects that relate i mean like that those um, black and white balls over there from mm-hmm. op shops. Right. But I think that they're very old. I think they were made by um, uh, the convicts on, who, when they were came over on the ships. They're from shells or things like that. Wow. So they're very old. I've got quite a lot of very old things. And, and then I've got things out of nature, like all these birds' nests and eggs mm. and so on and feathers. And Is there any end to this? We just keep collecting. I think I've... No, I've always been fussy. It has to be particular things. Yes. Yeah, they have to be quite particular. All right, thank you very much. Sounds like a fabulous weekend coming up. So I must thank uh, Jenny Ward there for putting together those segments um, for Talking Arts this week. That's it for this week. And uh, next week we'll continue with... uh, more artists and and more artists from the Lithgow Arts Trail, which then starts the following weekend. Uh, Jenny's going to be going out to Gangang Gallery, which is sort of the hub of the Lithgow Arts Trail out there in Main Street, Lithgow. And she'll be going out there uh, next Tuesday to meet up with some of the artists, get some more interviews and some more uh, info about the trail. And uh, we'll hear that next week on Talkie Arts. Uh, I'm now going to switch over to uh, Blue Mountains Live mode. Uh, I haven't got any interviews this week, but uh, we will be playing music from uh, a bunch of the artists who are playing this weekend, uh, as well as some of uh, my favourite tracks uh, towards the end of the show. Don't forget, uh, View from the Stand will be on after Blue Mountains Live at uh, at 8 o'clock. And uh, so other than that, uh, let's get on with... Blue Mountains Live here on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM.